Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello and welcome to episode 816 with Harrison Monarth. Harrison has some great wisdom when it comes to building your executive presence, what that means, how anyone can do it. So you'll learn one, why it's easier to build executive presence than you might think. Two, the simplest thing you can do to improve others' perception of you. And three, how to still contribute even when you don't have the answers. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we mentioned, please visit us over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP816. And while you're there, check out some of our goodies like the Gold Nugget email list, which provides a summary write-up of the actionable wisdom right to your inbox, as well as unlocking the vault of these such summaries over at awesomeatyourjob.com. That's called the Gold Nugget email list. Now here's Harrison Sorry. Harrison Monarth is one of today's most sought-after leadership development and executive coaches, helping CEOs, senior executives, managers, and high-potential employees develop critical leadership skills and increase their interpersonal effectiveness and ability to influence others. He has personally coached leaders from major organizations in financial services, technology, medical, legal, hospitality, and consumer industries, as well as those in startups, nonprofits, and politics. Harrison's client list covers organizations such as General Motors, Hewlett-Packard, MetLife, and many more. Big thanks to Harrison for sharing his wisdom with us. And big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no. No, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. And now, here's Harrison. Harrison, welcome to How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited to hear your wisdom about executive presence and more. And, and I've got to hear the story about you proposing marriage on your first date. Yes. Yeah, so I had seen my wife over the course of a couple of years. She worked in the same neighborhood where I worked at the time I lived in Denver, Colorado, and had seen her from afar, admired her from afar. She was very beautiful and didn't know her, but circumstances led us to get to know each other through a mutual friend. And since I had already been in love with her for a couple of years at our first date, we had a wonderful first date that dragged into the evening seeing a movie. And it was after the movie that uh, we went back to a cafe. And after some more conversation and other shenanigans, I proposed, she accepted, and eight months later, we got married. <laughs> and by the way, it's been almost 20 years. So that was 19 years ago. Hot dog. Congratulations. Well, we keep the show G-rated, but I'm curious what, what shenanigans <laughs> we're referring to that, that lead to both of you feeling like, yep, feel pretty certain this is going to be just fine. 
I think it's a bit of a cliche when you say you just know and you click with someone mm-hmm. and everything just really you know connects on all levels and yeah it was it was that for us so just a, a feeling of knowing and yeah we've been inseparable since okay well let's that's awesome uh, yeah. congratulations and there's no secret to it actually it's just uh, i think we're lucky so yeah well here's where i make a forced segue i think that a lot of people feel the same way about executive presence harrison and that it feels like, hey, some people have it, they're lucky, they got it, and some people don't. But I'd love to hear your perspective on this. Your book, Executive Presence, Second Edition, The Art of Commanding Respect Like a CEO, shares some learnable behaviors mm-hmm. that anyone can take on. Maybe can you kick us off with a particularly surprising or counterintuitive or extra fascinating discovery you've made about executive presence from your years of, of research and work in the field. Mm-hmm. Now, you said something interesting. I think you said you either have it or you don't, or people have maybe the perception mm-hmm. that you have it and you don't. And I think that is one of those, that's one of those misperceptions about executive presence. It's often how we describe a nebulous quality like charisma. Somebody has it or they don't. Executive presence, I found in my research over the last 20 plus years, and probably unconsciously over many years before that, is a set of behaviors, traits, qualities, characteristics that we can identify and where we can understand that we all have a profile of certain behaviors that serve us, that help us, and others that perhaps get in the way of having an executive presence and having that positive influence. And so for me, the big aha was an understanding that, you know what, all these qualities, these behaviors, you don't have to have all of them, but you need to know where you are on that scale and what you have and what you don't have. So you have to start somewhere and then you can create a plan and decide based on your circumstances, based on the company in which you work, the people you work with, the system you're in, what's important to develop and what you need to still, maybe what you need to continue doing and what you need to intensify or magnify. Mm-hmm. Well, a collection of behaviors, Harrison, could you perhaps segment the lofty concept of executive presence into a manageable set of categories we can get our arms around? Sure. So if I were to break it down, and again, this is the world according to me, this is by no means an exact science, obviously, but executive presence, a combination of communication behaviors, communication skills, such as managing uh, difficult conversations about engaging others, uh, being the kind of communicator who can easily engage other people, Telling strategic stories in business and to explain complex topics and subject matter. Being inspiring and persuading, helping people understand something and come to a decision. So these are all, say, behaviors under communication. Political savvy is important. Do you have the ability to create alliances, to manage up, to generate buy-in and support from people? Courage competence. To me, you have to have competence in something. You have to be able to communicate, both develop a level of expertise and and intellect and develop a persona that lets other people know that you can be counted on and that you're a person of substance and competence in order to be seen as having that presence. Delivering results is an important part as well under the category of competence. For instance, uh, if we can't deliver results, if we can't contribute value to an organization, to a group, to a team, we're not necessarily seen as having an executive presence. Or we will have an executive presence that's that's shallow, uh, like a politician, let's say, in cases. 
acting decisively is part of it, having courage, being calm under pressure. Those are all some. I'm not going to rattle off the whole, let's say, 27 or 30, but those are some that I think are, are very important. Okay. Well, that's a whole boatload of things. I'm curious if that feels overwhelming for folks. Could you give us some hope, some inspiration with a story of someone who was kind of low on this collection of behaviors, but then did some things to make a huge upgrade to their executive presence and see good results? Yes, I can. I had a client not too long ago who was uh, at a at a management level in a company and networking was something that she found distasteful. She didn't like, it was uncomfortable for her and just generally reaching out to strangers. She considers herself an introvert and generally just uncomfortable with, uh, with engaging people that she had no business reason to engage. And so what I helped her with, a couple of things. Number one is changing her mindset to basically say, look, what can I contribute to the person, to the company, to the organization that would be of value? So this one important shift in terms of uh, how to even get out of your shell or think about yourself, not by way of grabbing or self-promoting, but to actually contribute value. The other part was where I talked about helping her create a, a stakeholder map. So creating a visual representation of where people are in the company and who has influence, who is someone that could help you get things done, who is somebody that can help you do better at your job, hit the ground running if you're new in the job, and basically contribute value more quickly. Once you have those people, once you have a map like this, once you have a good overview of who's who in the organization, then you obviously need to engage and have substantive, hopefully interesting conversations. And I think that's where a lot of people shy away. They are worried that they have nothing in common with the person, that they are at too low a level, let's say, if they're relatively new in their career or new at the company, what would that person possibly want to talk about with me? And so what I asked her to do in this case is I asked her what she would be genuinely curious about if she were stuck in an elevator with that person for two hours. What would you talk about? What would you ask that person that you're genuinely curious about? And so it kind of broke it down for her. And she really thought genuinely about, okay, I would want to know this. I would want to know what is the person thinking about our division or my job, my role, how we could most contribute value. What challenges did they have in a similar role or at a different part of the company? There were so many questions that she herself generated after a while, and then she felt very confident all of a sudden to, there was no status differential all of a sudden. It was just, how can I connect with that leader in a way that I show that I'm genuinely interested in them, but so I can learn from them as well. So that's one of the ways I helped. And it made a huge difference for her because obviously she uses that now to engage with others that she really has no business reason to connect with. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So I'm curious if we're going to put forth some effort into developing executive presence, what might you suggest as some top high leverage starting points in that they need development for a lot of people and it's relatively easy <laughs> to do something about it in terms of, well, just videotape yourself a couple of times and you'll stop doing that. Bada bing. Are there any kinds of <laughs> domains and practices that have a really strong bang for the buck there? Yes. I'm looking at this as building it from the ground up because first of all, again, we're all a mixed bag. We're strong in some areas, we're not so strong in other areas. And so my recommendation is always to get feedback, first of all. And I ask people, two questions. Number one, 
and to use these questions with others that know them, that can actually make comments. What do you appreciate about me? How do you perceive me? Number one. And the second question is, what would make me even stronger? And the first question is somewhat open, is how am I perceived? How do you perceive me? People will generally, because it's not anonymous, they're telling you face-to-face, generally speaking, they're going to tell you a lot of nice things about you, the things they actually like about you, that they appreciate about you, that make you strong, which is great. But you also need to know what could potentially hold you back. But so I coached them on asking the second question in a very, in a very specific way and not what are my blind spots now? What am I not doing well? Or what could I be doing better? All of these things put the other person in sort of a negative mind space. It puts them into criticizing mode and nobody wants to criticize you face to face. And so what people do like to do rather than give negative feedback is they like to give advice. And that's why I would like to keep the second question. I tell them, keep it very positive instead of saying, what are my blind spots or what am I not doing well? First, I tell them, thank them for all the nice things they just said about you because they probably did. And then you say, now, what would make me even stronger? And the word even is so important because the premise here is that, well, you just told me a lot of nice things that I'm strong in these areas. Now, what make make me even stronger? That will then allow the other person to keep it very positive, to, to actually give you advice. So for instance, if somebody thinks you're a micromanager or that you're too controlling, had you asked, what am I not doing well? Chances are they probably wouldn't have told you the truth or they might've sugarcoated it so much that it would have been too vague. And so if they do feel though, that you're a little bit of a micromanager, simply by asking the question, now what would make me even stronger? They could say to you, well, if you give people a little bit more autonomy at work, how they arrange their projects, how they set up their time, in order to get the results you need and, and, and get the work done, that might make them more engaged. That might increase their productivity. So give them a little more autonomy. They just told you the exact same thing mm-hmm. and gave you advice rather than criticize you for being a micromanager. Yeah. So I think you start there. You get feedback first. And you said, well, what are some quick bang for the buck, basically, right? I would say something that anyone can do. So This will give you an idea of what you need to work on. But I always tell people, whether you're an introvert, whether you're shy, whether you're generally more quiet, these people are typically thinkers, contributing your perspective, your ideas in a meeting is probably the number one thing that could move you up in people's minds as somebody who's contributing value and somebody who is engaged and wants to contribute to solutions and challenges and help solve challenges. Speaking up, that's something anyone can do once we get over the discomfort of doing so. But it's something that can give you influence almost instantly. And too often people are just hanging back. I'm having flashbacks, Harrison, to in in high school and college, my model United Nations days, going to conferences, pretending to represent different countries. And there was a guy, shout out to Robbie Kleber, if he ever listens to the show who I just got a chapter started at my high school and and he won a lot of awards for being an outstanding representative. And I was like, so what's the trick? He's like, honestly, just keep going up to the microphone and talking. I was like, but what if you don't have anything smart or insightful or worthwhile to say? And he said, it doesn't even matter. Just <laughs> the more you get up and say stuff at the microphone, that's that's how I win all these these best delegate awards. And, and I thought that was that seemed off. But then in my experience, as I was watching it happen too, yes, the exact same pattern played out. Now, life is not exactly, or, or business careers are not exactly a modern United Nations conference for a high school or college student. 
But I think some of the same principles apply in that just talk more and, and hopefully it's it's value added. So you're not just yep. wasting everybody's time. But Harrison, if anyone has concerns that, oh, I don't know if what I have to say is is that insightful or or, or worthwhile in speaking up. Do you have any pro tips on either overcoming that resistance or uh, a quick way you can do an internal safety check like yep that is a worthwhile contribution versus no folks will probably roll their eyes internally and wish i would shut up Mm -hmm. by the way there are studies there are a number of studies from the Haas school of business for instance that show that in small and medium-sized groups speaking up and contributing your perspective makes other people see you as having leadership potential leadership qualities they see you as influential and then other studies can confirm that as well. And even see you as more competent, by the mm. way. Even if you don't usually, if you don't always get the answers right, they just see you as more competent to lead because you're seen as hardworking, as contributing again to solutions, as wanting to make a difference to the team. So there are some great qualities. But to your point, so what if I feel like I just don't have anything to add? So I'm going to give you the light version and then I'm going to give you the the power version. All right. The light version is think about why are you there? What's the point of you even being in this meeting? And hopefully you've thought about this beforehand, right? And if you haven't, then maybe you learn a lesson that next time you do think about why am I there? What questions do I want to ask? What do I need to find out? Uh, what's the objective? What are we trying to accomplish, right? Are we trying to solve a problem? Are we trying to brainstorm? Are we trying to come to a decision or dis- discuss, uh, get to a consensus. There, there is obviously some sort of objective. And if there isn't one, if you don't know what the objective is, ask other people, what are we trying to do here? And then think about why you, why are you there? And then hopefully you can connect the dots there. But generally I say, you know, prepare for these meetings, even if you feel maybe you're new and you don't have anything super relevant to add. Well, you could probably ask some good questions. So think about what those questions are. And then you might actually be the person because meetings often go off the rails. You know, people start rambling, they go all over the place, they go down rabbit holes and, and start talking about things that had really had nothing to do with the meeting objective. So you could be the person that brings everybody back on track and say, hey, weren't we trying to decide between A and B? We're really just going way off of that. So here's what I would like to add to that discussion. And so there are lots of different things if you prepare ask questions and make points and point out maybe some things that others hadn't thought about. But then the power version, I'm going to tell you a quick uh, anecdote. So I've done a lot of work for PepsiCo mm-hmm. and worked with uh, some senior leaders on uh, Indranui's leadership team. And an anecdote that I thought it was just incredibly inspiring from her is when Indranui was a consultant for Boston Consulting in the 1980s, from there, she was hired to become the head of strategy for Motorola's automotive electronics division. And In one of her first executive level staff meetings, she said she was completely out of her depth. So they were talking about two things that she didn't really have much of a clue about, cars and electronics. And so she said that based on her skill and experience as a consultant, she could have asked smart questions and created a framework of understanding for herself and survived. But that she really wanted to make a difference as soon as possible, made a contribution, have an impact on the business. And so what she did in order to be able to contribute, she hired two professors as tutors for herself on her own. So she uh, hired an electronics professor who would teach her about electronics from a thick electronics textbook and then an automotive technology 
professor, somebody from the Automotive Technology College, to teach her about the inner workings of a car. And she would do that for the entire, for an entire year. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, she would have two hours of electronics tutoring from 7 to 9 a.m. And then uh, the rest of the week, Thursday, Friday, somebody from the uh, automotive college would stop by and help her for an entire year. And she said it was extremely hard, but think about it. The impact that had on the others around her and her understanding of subject matter and of being able to connect the dots, to me, that's another level of wanting to make an impact and wanting to contribute value that that's up to us. We have to think about what time can I carve out? Where am I willing to make some sacrifices and some trade-offs to develop my understanding of things, my expertise. That's powerful. And I've heard it said here a couple times that if you read the top five relevant books to your field, you will be more knowledgeable than 90 plus percent of the people in that domain. And, and I think that varies by domain, <laughs> but I think that's, that's often rather true that it, it may not take 10 hours of, of one-on-one professor tutorial a week for 15 mm-hmm. plus weeks to pull it off. It might take 16 hours of reading over a couple of months and bam, there you are having some knowledgeable perspective. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think, and then you decide, right, how much further you want to go and and you'll see, I mean, do you have an impact? Are you making a difference? And I agree with you that you don't have to necessarily have the 10,000 hours that Malcolm Gladwell talks about to become an expert at something or a master at something. I think small steps, like you said, reading a couple of books on the topic, reading reading insights and papers and articles can make a huge difference already. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Harrison, tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention before we hear about some of your favorite things. No, I would say the idea of getting feedback, understanding, having developing your internal self-awareness, uh, external self-awareness, how you show up to the world, and then deciding what do I need to work on is a great foundation to then increase your executive presence. Okay. Well, now could you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? There's a quote by George Bernard Shaw, who said that life is not about finding yourself. Life's about creating yourself. Mm, Lovely. And I think that's powerful because it puts the control in your hands. Okay. And a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? Francesca Gino, a few years ago, led a study with Adam Grant on gratitude, the power of gratitude. And they found that Gallup also found that grat- showing gratitude, managers showing gratitude to employees can boost productivity by 5 to 10%. Mm-hmm. People feeling appreciated by their managers, being more engaged at work and, and being happier at work. So I love that study because it just, it reinforces something that we all intuitively know, I think. Okay. And could you share a favorite book? Matter of fact, I have it in front of me. It's called Daily Rituals. Daily Rituals by Mason Curry. And it just talks about rituals that the famous artists, composers, painters, writers have had, and it's full of failures. So the book is full of how these people try to get out of work, try to avoid work, procrastinate it, but then found themselves still producing masterpieces and and great works. And I think it just sort of humanizes them and it makes you feel less like a loser if you you don't feel like getting off the couch uh, for a full, full day. All righty. And a favorite tool, something you use to be awesome at your job? For me, a favorite tool is reframing, reframing. So reframing things, I think the power of reframing, looking at things from different perspectives. So it first, it makes you calmer, taking different viewpoints on something because there's so much that stresses us out. But if we're able to put things in proper perspective, reframe them in 
not just one different way or look at one different perspective, but look at it from many different perspectives. It makes you calmer and it actually helps you find solutions and opens your mind to other approaches. Okay. And is there a key nugget you share that seems to connect and resonate with folks? They quote it back to you often. Key nugget. Well, actually, to be honest with you, it's connected to that. It is this looking at things in a different way. And one thing that people often either cite or remind me of that I've talked about at a, at a workshop or in a coaching session is this idea of rather than thinking of yourself, think about others and how you can contribute value to others will make a lot of things easier from speaking up to networking, to increasing visibility, to getting involved with people and things that just the idea of looking at it from the perspective of I'd like to make a contribution, I'd like to contribute value has a huge impact on our willingness, our motivation to actually go out and do it. All right. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? LinkedIn is a great way. I am on LinkedIn. Certainly we have our website, uh, gurumaker.com. But LinkedIn, I post on LinkedIn, not as often as I'd like, but yeah, messaging on LinkedIn and just connecting that way and staying in touch that way is great. All right. And you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs? Yes, I would say a challenge would be, and this is often I give people that challenge in the workshop, I would say pick six people that know you, have worked with you, maybe, or working with you. Ask them the two questions. How am I perceived? Wait for the nice answers and maybe they'll tell you something interesting. And then the second question, now what would make me even stronger? And listen, wait for the answers, be grateful for the answers, probe if you want to have clarity, and then you have something that you can work on potentially to make you even more effective and even stronger. Mm -hmm. That's good. Harrison, this has been a treat. Thank you. I wish you much fun and success and executive presence. Thank you very much. Pleasure talking to you. I really appreciate what Harrison had to say about speaking up. And if you don't think you have brilliantly insightful answers, stop to think in advance of the meeting, hmm, what are they bringing me in for? What is my contribution? Maybe you'll learn, oh, not much. Maybe you can get out of that meeting <laughs> and push back in a smart way. But more than likely, you'll be able to figure out, oh, they probably want my perspective on this side of things. And maybe if you don't have answers, you have great questions. And that's valuable right there in terms of bringing some good thoughts and discussions about, as well as making you look like a baller, which increases executive presence. So again, the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced are over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP816. Hope to catch you next time and peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.